Hello, Choose Love Movement podcast followers. It is such a pleasure to have you here today. We have a very special guest, a dear friend of mine, a staunch advocate of the Choose Love Movement. Her name is Lisa McKenzie. She is a lifelong educator. She is first and foremost a Choose Love educator that I is dedicated her life to promoting children and their health and well-being for her entire working career in education. Lisa is a special education teacher and resource specialist, as well as an educational consultant and parent educator for the Setting Limits program. She has been a consultant for developing and implementing the learning uh, and delivery model for special education services since 2001. She is also a curriculum writer for the Choose Love movement and a California Choose Love ambassador. She developed a social and emotional learning trauma-sensitive program to serve students with extreme social and emotional behavioral and behavioral needs for Choose Love, which earned the Distinguished Schools Award for her school. She also co-authored the best-selling Setting Limits in the Classroom book, a complete guide to effective classroom management with school-wide discipline plan, along with her husband, who is also well-known and a celebrated educator, Dr. Robert McKenzie. The book is used in university credential programs throughout the United States. I'm going to flash it here. And uh, Lisa, so incredible to have you here today. Scarlett, thank you. What an amazing introduction. Thank you. You kind of just summarized my career, my thir last 33 years of my life in a couple of minutes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, I could, I could say it, but what goes into it? I mean, I have visited your school. I've seen firsthand. I've heard stories over the years from you. Uh, you, you didn't choose an easy path you chose to serve the most vulnerable from the very beginning, which is incredible. Well, I have to tell you, Scarlett, I did not choose that. It chose me. I was a marine biology major, my first round at Saint I didn't even know that. That's why you love the ocean and everything ocean. Exactly. And I didn't even like kids. <laughs> you know what? I have to admit, I always told my mom, I'm not going to have kids. Your kids are going to be animals. And she was fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I felt the same way. And then I had a friend who was um, teaching in a special day class, kids with learning disabilities, when back in the day when the kids with learning disabilities were still in a special day class. And she said, could you just come and help me a little bit? And I was like, yeah, I'll make your bulletin boards. I'll get you coffee. I'll grade your papers, but don't put me with kids. <laughs> Five years later, volunteering in her class, I ended up with my special ed credential. So that's what I mean about it found me. The, the career in marine biology, I was told by one of my favorite professors at San Diego State, you know, this was way back in the mid 80s. Um, she said the jobs out there, you could train see you know what animals at SeaWorld or you could go out and count <coughs> the dolphin they slaughter on the tuna boats neither of which I would have I didn't believe in animals in captivity and there's no way I could go out and count how many dolphin they slice their noses off on tuna boats so uh, yeah so that it just happened <laughs> well I know that that you have transformed and saved lives 
And, and I do believe in that calling part of it because I wasn't called to this until later in life, but it has been the most incredible chapter of my life, the most rewarding. And of course, I've learned that when you have the courage to step outside yourself and to serve others, compassion and action is what we call it, <laughs> you and I, um, you help and heal yourself. And that's been a huge part of my personal healing from, from uh, the Sandy Hook tragedy. And you've been such a big part of that. So I just want to say that I love you and I want to thank you for that. Well, thank you, Scarlett. I love you too. And you and Jesse were transformational in changing a whole generation of kids who are now in high school, who I still go and see three, four times a year. And they are still choosing love. They're trying. I have one little girl. You met her, Mahima, the one who was afraid to speak, yes. who spoke to the news crew at yes. Prairie. Yes. Is advocating and doing a petition to get a choose love club going on at Valley high school. So yeah, that is incredible. That is six years later, correct? Mm -hmm. Is it, it wow. Yeah, at least six. So she's going to be a junior and she was in fifth grade. Yeah. Six years, Scarlett. Mm -hmm. So she was in fifth grade and how many years of choose love did she have? Just that with, one with you? She had fifth and sixth with me. Okay. And okay. then I kept going to the middle school for seventh and eighth and, yeah. you know, checking in on them several times a year. And now they're in high school. So that group of kids is still truly choosing love. And it, it's amazing. Is it? I mean, it is skills, tools, and awarenesses. And, and it's like, once you have these awarenesses uh, and, and it's self-awareness really is the, is the biggest one. It's, it's being aware of yourself and what you're feeling and the, the confidence and the, the ability to be able to inflate your duck, what we say to, to, uh, to feel better, to, um, to rise up out of face, whatever comes your way and to be able to learn from it, grow through it and be strengthened by it. I mean, all these things, it's like, once you know, you, there's no reason why you wouldn't want to use it and, and then advocate it, advocate for it, which is why so many people are out there advocating for it because, mm -hmm. because it is the path to flourishing and flourishing feels good. That's it. It feels good. They like how they feel and they are able to share that. They are the, they are the true examples of compassion in action because the kid, a lot of the other kids at the school there had not had choose love. And so they are the, the little mini ambassadors, really. Yeah, They're the ones who are putting it out there. They're living it. They're living it. They're living it. I know. And, and you introduced it to them and, and I was able to be there just for a short time, but it was uh, such an incredible experience. And then here we are six years later and still going, having done uh, a, a curriculum update during COVID mm -hmm. where you uh, worked alongside Kim Harrison, another California ambassador and educator to create Choosing Love in Our Brave New World, specifically to help kids and their educators where they were then, mm -hmm. which is, uh, you know, during this global pandemic and isolated and disconnected 
and anxious. And so this you created to help them self-regulate and get ready and present to learn, which is an incredible thing. And it's been used all over the world now in every kind of situation. That was a group effort. We put it out there and who steps up? Kate McKinnon, um, Jessica Ortner. People just, you know, you reach out and they say, yes. Yes. Not, oh, let me see. No, it was, yes, what do you need? Yes, exactly. And so we were able to bring other people who were just so willing to say, I can do this for kids. It's on video, but I can do this. Yes, absolutely. Using their gifts and talents. And Kate McKinnon is the creator of the Compassionate Touch programming within our program. And then Jessica Ortner, of course, is with the Tapping Solution. And tapping has been brought uh, further forward because it's such a powerful trauma relief tool. And I use it every day. It reduces cortisol. You can use it for physical, mental, and emotional pain. You can use it for anxiety. You can use it to sleep, which is I use it for. I tap to sleep. (laughs) I tap myself to sleep. Me too. Have you used Nick's 20-minute tapping to sleep uh, meditation? So you just listen to him and you tap along. And uh, I've never gotten through it. Yeah, and neither Scarlett. I'm. So, I don't want to get through it. I think that's working. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. My. I'm usually like ten minutes, and I can't even keep my eyes open. How wonderful is that, though, to have a space where you can go to have all of these incredible tools? And the Tapping Solution has been so generous with us to even write an entire program for us yes. that incorporates the formula for choosing love and everything. It's pretty amazing. It really is. And then Jessica specifically did the tapping for the brave new world and videoed herself doing it so that we, so the teachers just could click the button and say, okay, I'm going to do this with you. You know, it was amazing. It was amazing. I want to talk a little bit about your book. Okay. And kind of relate it to what we're seeing now in the classrooms, because this is, this is, uh, you know, kind of like the Bible of uh, education. And um, there's a lot of great stuff in it. I've read it several times. Um, In the beginning, you talk about structure Mm -hmm. and the importance of structure. And I think if you think about how unstructured everything is now in our world. I mean, we have this thing in the choose love movement where we say we can't always choose what happens to us. So meaning we can't always choose what's going on in our environment around us, Mm -hmm. but we can focus on what we can control. And a lot of times, even if that's just our thoughts, we know we can control those. And so um, when you were talking about structure, you were talking about classroom management, rules, procedures, basically setting boundaries and expectations, even from the very start of the year. And I'm wondering how you would relate that to what educators are seeing now in the classroom with increased behavioral issues. And of course, we know that that is simply uh, an expression of, of, um, difficult emotions. Uh, and, and so, but still it's there and, uh, and it's providing a challenge. How would you, uh, what advice would you give to educators that are listening and even parents? I mean, you know, a classroom is a classroom, but, but, you know, you can compare that to home too. Well, first of all, I have to say in my own life, when we do our parenting workshops, I always say, I'm a way better teacher than I am a mom because I have distance and perspective. And with our own kids, we don't have that. 
So our triggers could be a little shorter, you know, we, we amp up a little faster, but with other, you know, with children in my classroom, I can, I can go all day, you know, and that's truly the distance in perspective. So first of all, for parents, I write, I say, write yourself that forgiveness slip because we, most of us are better with other people's kids. You know, it is the distance in perspective. It's not the unconditional love. Um, but the, what I think now is the most important thing about structure, when Rob and I have been looking at the book, we're sending, Rob has been writing into the um, publishing company saying we need to rewrite it. It just needs to be updated. We need to include what's happening in the world now. We need to put social emotional learning into this book. Um, we need to look at it through a trauma sensitive lens. And what I see with structure and through my trauma training Kids need structure and consistency because that's the safety more than they need our warmth and affection right now. Once they can come into the class and they feel the safety, then we can open up, then they can open up, but they're not going to open their hearts if they don't feel safe. They're not going to open their minds if they don't have that daily routine and the structure to know every day I come in and every day it's going to be the same. And, you know, one of the things that I've started saying with my students now is right now we're all right. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what the, in the brave new world, we, mm -hmm. one of the units is that, um, but that's what I say to them. I want you to check around, look around right now. I'm all right. And so no matter what's happening right now in my class, you, we are all right. And to me, that's that structure now. And the safety for kids, if kids don't know that the teacher has control, and I don't mean that in a, I'm going to control you, but if I don't have the structure and the security, how are they going to feel safe that they're not going to be harmed by another student in the class? Mm -hmm. You know, when we let the kids go, when we think, oh, I'm just going to ignore that behavior, and a kid is kicking chairs or shoving books or throwing objects, the rest of the kids in the class are fearful. So they need to be able to feel safe. And that's where I believe more so than ever, the structure is so important. And kids have been out of school for a year and a half in some cases. So they don't know what to do in school. I have first graders this year who hadn't been in kindergarten. They didn't know how to be a student. The first thing they need to know is how do I come into class? How do I sit at a desk? They missed the carpet year. <laughs> right, right. Circle time. Yes. So we still do it. <laughs> Learning how to take turns speaking, yes. or, you know, passing the, the talking stick or whatever, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exactly right, Scarlett. And that's the structure and that's the safety of the classroom. I fully and truly believe without the safety, how are you going to get to the next level? Kids can't learn. We go back to the, to the brain, right? We go back to that lizard brain. Who's in control? The numbat, the lizard, the human. We need to get our kids in the human brain. Yeah, that's the prefrontal cortex where logic and reasoning reside. That's where we learn. And our brains just want to keep us safe. So they crave predictability. Mm -hmm. So I love that. I love that saying to them, coming to the present moment, that's a great practice because in the present moment, we're safe. And all of you listening out there, come to the present moment. I, I know that you're safe because you're listening to this podcast. So it's a great reminder throughout the day to tell your brain, to remind your brain, because there's always this low level anxiety and those negative thoughts that go over and over. Uh, I'm okay. I'm safe. 
and uh, and to help your brain relax. That's really good. Really, really good. So and I would say the focused awareness piece, what we do in the curriculum, teaching them the brave breath, the gratitude breath. I mean, we use the brave breath all the time and being able to take that breath and be present so that you can learn. We, you know, a lot of times I think we teachers feel like we have so much to do and we don't have a, a moment to waste. And even taking that 30 second breath, I, I don't have time to do that. And really what you're buying back is a whole lot of time. You take that 30 second breath when you come in from recess, you center yourself, you connect. I always say, bring our, let's bring our minds and our bodies back into the same room mm. and do our breathing mm. and then you're ready to learn. And again, that's part of the structure, Scarlett. It really is. It's, it's the routine in the class that it's predictable. Kids know what to do when they're coming back in. So it's not chaotic. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. Um, okay, so I'm going to move ahead. In chapter two, you talk about developing positive relationships based on encouragement. So uh, really, really incredible. You're talking about how if we are projecting negativity, and by the way, that doesn't have to just be uh, eye rolling or, or calling somebody stupid right? Which is obviously very negative, but it can also be in ways uh, that we respond in body language, in, in gesticulation, in facial expression, and little things that we do that kids can pick up on. Sometimes we, we think they don't pick up on stuff, but they absolutely do, even our energy. And so, you know, in, in a time, Lisa, when a lot of people are feeling very stressed out. I mean, educators are dealing with learning loss. Uh, they lost a lot of time and they are playing catch up now. So that's adding stress. Uh, I always say that our educators are our superheroes. They have the most important job. And so it, just their job alone to educate our kids and keep them safe is, uh, is fairly stressful in itself. So how can a teacher be mindfully aware? And by the way, even a parent, because, you know, if you're, if you're like, I don't know, I was a single mom and, and everything fell on me and I think I was stressed a lot. So how, how can you project positivity and optimism to the kids? Because by doing that, you are also creating a soft landing for them, a safe space uh, giving them a, a level of comfort, but you're also, you're doing so much. You're modeling for them how to handle stress and anxiety. Um, and you're also helping them to be able to thoughtfully respond in a positive way themselves to whatever's going on. So how would you say that we could do that now? What are some tips and hints? First of all, I start every day um, with a greeting where we start together on the carpet. Because just like adults, if we haven't seen each other for 24 hours, Scarlett, and you and I want to talk to each other, we're not going to be able to learn. We're going to be like, Scarlett, Lisa, right? So I give them that. So it's structured. And I give them a little job, like to go greet three different students and tell them something that you did over the weekend. Or, you know, sometimes it's three different students and what's your favorite food? Something that simple. Um, a lot of my kids don't want to talk about what they did over the weekend or so we try to keep it three things you're looking forward to today you know mm -hmm. three things you're looking forward to in 
or three things you've learned in math or it's some it's simple it's usually three things go to three, three different positives three, three positives three yeah, positives sharing exactly. sharing connecting yep and, and I'm part of that I don't sit back and watch them do that. I am a part of it, you know, and that's why they're only allowed to talk to each person one time so that Uh, they can tell me and then they have to go off because, you know, they all come to me, right? The adult in the room. Of course. Um, So that's one way is to help them start to connect. And I just want to say one thing about the greeting thing. I, I think I've even noticed, you know, with people in my life, that uh, I was talking about, I was grumbling this morning about texting etiquette, you know, because I I will text somebody and I'll say, good morning, uh, and then use the name. Everybody loves their name. And it's nice to be acknowledged because it's like you're being seen, even if it's through a text. And then when someone writes back, uh, kind of like just, uh, I'm doing this and this and this, you know, it's like, Ooh, wait a minute. I, I, I put myself out there. And I think this is, this is sometimes how feelings get hurt. You put yourself out there and then you're not responded to in kind. And, uh, and so then it makes, it would make someone else, not me, but someone else, it would make them more reluctant to reach out. And so I, I love that greeting. I think it's really important. And I should back up one more because I greet every child at the door and we start singing before we come in. We just do the same song every day and we just, every child at the door and I have used magnets for years, even at Prairie, my, all my kids had their, had their number or their name on a magnet and they would tell me just a couple, like, where are you today? It was fist to five, basically. That's why the duck poster is going to be so fun. Right. It was basically on a one to five, where are you? Because I used the five point scale. And so they would show me where they were. So immediately as these kids are coming in, this is part of relationship building. I know where you are. Right. I know if you're feeling up here and you're happy or if you're down here and you might not show me that on your face. Yeah. And I might not with, you know, a lot of kids coming in the classroom, not might not be able to catch it. But when I'm looking at you one-on-one as we are coming through the door, every single child gets me, just me, one-on-one coming through the door. And it's a high five. It's an elbow bump. It's a hug if they want to give me a hug. It's a knuckle bump. It's whatever they want to do. And they just show me what they want to do. Sometimes it's just the, you know, the, the happy dance. And in we go. Step one of the relationship building. Step two is the, them together building their that relationship. Step one is so important. I see you. And, yes. and, and for, the, for the majority of the time when I would take the boys to school, I remember seeing, I remember one teacher, Mrs. Gramolini. And I remember her doing that. And I was blown away because everyone wants to be acknowledged. We want to be seen. And so many kids go to school and they're not seen. I can tell you that that is a, a commonality among kids that uh, eventually cause a lot of trouble and everybody wants to be seen. So I, I think that's so important. I, I love that. And it's important for big kids too. Yes, it is. When you <laughs> walk in somewhere, you don't want somebody sitting at their desk doing this on the computer going, okay, guys, come on, get, get in, come in, sit down and get your stuff out. You know, you want them to look at you and say, good morning. Yes. I'm so, so glad you're here. I'm noticing, yes. oh, I noticed you got a haircut. They want yes. to be noticed. And some kids aren't ready yet to have necessarily a connection of a 
compliment, but they are all wanting to be noticed. So sometimes just making the comment, oh, I see that you brought your backpack today instead of, yes, good job. You remembered your backpack because there's a judgment in that. You know what I mean? In a way like, oh, it's not a good job if I didn't bring my backpack. Well, unlike yesterday when you forgot it. <laughs> exactly. And oh, we wow, I wouldn't have thought like of that. You yeah. were saying earlier that, you know, some of the things that we do, some of those things that we don't even realize are negative. Yes, yes. And that's not true for oh. all kids, but it's true for many who have experienced uh. failure and disappointing others all along. And so when we do put that judgment on, when we say, good job, you know, sometimes it's just, oh, I noticed that you were using blue on your picture. That's it. I see you because I see that you are using blue. That is so good. You know, one of the things that I took away from the bus tour in New Hampshire, Lisa, was, uh, you know, these kids would come by the forgiveness table and, and I'm talking about first graders and they would write on a piece of paper how, uh, what someone did to hurt their feelings. And if the kids didn't, you know, if they couldn't write, they would draw a picture. But a lot of times in first grade, they, they're sounding out words and everything. And I remember this one, uh, first grade, so six-year-old little girl, and she's writing, and I got a picture of this over her shoulder. I am so, so, so sorry, S-O-R-E, for F-O-R-E, everything I done. So, so sorry. And I was thinking, I mean, here's this beautiful little girl. And what could she possibly have done to be so sorry about like nothing? She's perfect. And so I think it's a great reminder, you know, the, the, uh, the teachers actually took the, uh, and then they would take whatever they were forgiving. Uh, she was forgiving herself. So she wadded that up and she threw it into the self bin and a lot, but most others threw it into the other bin and they were forgiving siblings and, you know, friends for hurting their feelings and things like that. But um, the teachers took those bags and they read those notes because it's a great reminder of how much our kids are coming to school with and it shocked me uh how much shame blame guilt these little kids are carrying around with them i mean i would have gotten on the floor and just kicked and screamed and cried my eyes out which is what i wanted to do and i had to remind myself no you're giving them a release for this pain but there was pain there and i was shocked yeah, I'm glad that the teachers took those notes because sometimes it goes unnoticed. And we look at those behaviors as what's wrong with you instead yeah. of what happened to you. Yes. You know, what is happening inside of you that's causing you so much pain? We look at why are you doing that? You know? Yes, yes. Yeah. That was that was a huge, huge one for me. Um, so you also talk about making learning fun in your book. And you know that that resonates with me because a big part of our message is Jesse's message that he left for JT, which is having a lot of fun. So, and, and so like in this environment, Lisa, where it's so high pressure, you know, you're thinking about, I mean, in the back of your mind, at least you're thinking about safety issues. And I'm talking about physical, mental, and emotional, and even as it, relates to COVID now. So all of these things in the back of your mind, and then you've got learning loss and all this other stuff we've talked about. How do you make learning fun? Play with them. Play. 
you know the research on play. Oh, I do. <laughs> you know more than most. Yeah. That's where that's where we can connect for one. And if kids can play, and I know teachers again will say, I don't have time to play. We got to get yes. this going. But that if was my first thought. Play, How do they make time to play? How do they make time to play? It can be as simple as, you know, I'm going to hold the card up here on my head. What, what am I? Show me what I'm, what I am. Let me guess that simple for vocabulary. Um, it doesn't have to be a big elaborate, you know, long playing thing or game or anything. <laughs> no, just, and we, you know, some of the suggestions in the book, one of my favorites when I was teaching high school was baseball. I was teaching algebra. And so I would call it, you know, they split into teams and I would put a question or something or sometimes it was just a basic fact because my students still didn't have that. And I would say that they could choose a first a single, double, triple home run. And then they would get that level of question and they would literally walk around bases in the classroom. What are they doing? They're physically moving. They're still studying, right? And yeah. then I got smart. This was my first year teaching. I got, I got smart. And I said, you guys write the questions. You need to put them on index cards. So you're going to write the problem on one side and the answer on the other. So then I have the answer. What are they doing? Right? They're putting the problem. They're figuring it out. They're putting the answer. And now they're owning it. So when theirs comes up, they're like, yes, that was mine. You know, and they get to then level them single, double, triple, or home run. And the beauty of that is that when you get, you have a few kids in there who have, they can't, they're, they're not there yet, right? Their skills are still lacking pretty, pretty low. And um, who's got control of the cards? Me. So they say, I want a home run. So I'm going to pull out a home run card and only I see it. I'm the one who's going to read the question so that they can answer it. And again, I'm building self-esteem. I'm building some self-confidence. Others are, you know, because you know, the other kids know. Everybody knows the kids who don't get it, right? And they're going, oh, geez. And then all of a sudden, this kid hits a home run. And they're like, whoa. So uh, teachers have a lot. Teachers have a lot. And you can yeah. say it's fair. It's not fair. It's what's best for kids. It's fair. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we have in every lesson, I have a lot of fun section. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and they're all related to, they're going to learn something. They're going to move. There was, there's a lot of movement in the have a lot of fun lessons. And I think it makes it more fun for educators as well. I think so. I don't you know, know, my philosophy, you have to come to work excited and grateful because because the kids know if you're not, and why not? We only have one life to live, um, and 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 being a teacher, wow! I think if I had to do it all over again, I would definitely be a teacher because you have so much opportunity to shape these little hearts and minds, uh, and, and and offer them these incredible skills and tools to help them flourish and be part of that and be such a big influence in a positive way, mm -hmm. um, transform and maybe save lives. And so having fun is a big deal. And I think it's also a big deal for us big kids. I've always kind of been a person that prioritized fun. 
And I'm, I, it just made me think about over the weekend. So I have a farm and over the weekend, if you can picture this, Lisa, I have like 20 foot tall bushes in front of my, my farmhouse. And I'm literally like pulling these vines out of these bushes that are causing them to, to, you know, go over mm -hmm. the house. And, uh, and so I had to burn them all. And so I did that. I'm in my backyard by myself and I got out this uh, big speaker and I just turned on eighties music, which is really fun to dance to. And I just started dancing and I saw people driving by and they were slowing down. And I know they were thinking that that crazy Scarlet. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but, I, but I was hoping also that I was giving them an idea. Like I'm doing this mundane chore. I'm burning brush but I'm having a great time. I was dancing around. I was singing because I knew every word and I just felt so good. And, uh, and they were stopping to watch. So <laughs> it's like, come on, dance party. <laughs> yeah, come on in. You can help, right. help me push, push some brush off and then you can dance with me. <laughs> so you also talk about um, three types of kids in your book. And I, I thought this was fascinating. So the three types, um, 10%, so you have 100% of kids. So you, you put them into three types. You said that one type is a, a type that you called strong-willed. And I like that word. Uh, or aggressive researchers. I love <laughs> that concept. And, and I'm going to ask you to explain that in a moment. Okay. And then the other 90%, um, you said of which approximately 35% are fence sitters mm -hmm. and 55% compliant. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the 55% compliant, those are kids that are, are there, they're present, they're doing their work. And unfortunately, the, the, 10%, those aggressive researchers are the ones that take up the majority of an educator's time and as well as the fence sitters. So would you mind going through those three types? And also I'm thinking that I'd like to focus on the aggressive researchers because I wonder if you think that given today's environment, that that number now is more especially with the safety factor. And, and uh, so maybe we have a few more aggressive researchers. Well, the, those three types of kids, it's really, there's a whole lot more, but what Rob was able to do was break them down into three types so that we could understand their personality. You're born like that. And that really hasn't changed because we come out that way. Um, my daughter is very strong-willed. Rob's uh, second child, his son is very strong-willed. And basically what it is, is that if you, you see something, you want it your way, it's going to be my way, no matter what that is, and you go for it. Um, they can run the, they can run the classroom if you let them. Um, the way that we teach it in, in the book is we talk about the 55% right off the bat, you've got them. They're going to do what you ask them to do because it's the, the right thing to do. And, you know, they're here to learn. They're here to comply. It's just what they do. They're compliant kids. And then the, um, the fence sitters are the ones that can make or break your year, though, because who are they watching? They're watching the strong-willed kid who's going to test you 
And then they're watching how you respond. So if I just ignore the behavior of a strong-willed kid who's said, let's do something as simple as tipping in the chair. And you say, need to halt four, four on the floor or you're going to have to stand for a bit. And they keep doing it. And you say, what did I say? I mean it. You're going to have to stand up. Stop tipping in the chair. I said, stop tipping in the chair. Da, 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 da. So if your 35% are watching your 10% doing that, now they're going to start going, yeah, she's not going to do anything about it. Whereas your compliant kids are sitting there going, I wish they'd stop. This is causing me some anxiety. Right. Right. Um, So if you say to the strong-willed child, if you set that firm limit, respectful, and again, it's a part of the structure and safety, you need to sit in the chair the right way, or you're going to have to stand for a couple of minutes the kid tips again, and you have them stand for a couple minutes. It's not the end of the day. It's not, you're never going to have a chair again. It's three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. Most of the time you just have to say after they've experienced that, if you tip, you're going to have to stand. They'll say, all right, they're going to make that decision. They're the same ones that test you at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. They're who they are. They're the movers and the shakers of our world. They are the Oprah Winfrey's of our world. They are the ones who are not going to stop. They are, you know, the, the, the men and women who have changed our world in a positive way. They are you, Scarlett. You are a strong-willed woman. Oh, that's you have taken that strength, though. And, and it's not about I want what I want. You know, it's yeah. not. I was asked one time, what's the difference between a strong-willed a strong-willed kid and a brat. Well, we create brats, right? We create them. They don't come out that way. We give to them hand over fist. We don't hold them accountable. We don't set limits with them. There's no discipline. There's no teaching and learning. They throw a fit, we cave. And then you have your strong-willed kids who are just pushing, pushing, pushing. And if we channel that in the right way, we're going to have, we're going to have women like you, we're going to have women and like Oprah, we're going to have men that movers and shakers that change this world. Interesting. So just pushing the limits, pushing the limits. Yeah. And they can grind on you. But again, if you just are like, "Mm, that's not going to work. So have a seat or I'm going to have take the chair for a while. You know, the kids who are disrespectful, it's not okay to speak to me that way. We use timeout in a very positive, specific way. Sometimes it's just a, you know what, we're going to do a reset. Not okay Mm -hmm. to talk to me that way. Try it again. Right. Right. I I don't raise my voice. I don't yell and scream at them. I don't threaten to take every recess and lunch away. Sometimes I will say to a, a kid as they're heading out to recess, come here a second. What? Say that to me, what you said earlier in a respectful way. All right, Mrs. McKenzie, da-da-da-da-da. And I say, thank you. Now you can go out. That's the teaching and learning and the discipline. Discipline doesn't mean smack your hand. Discipline is teaching. I'm going to teach you how to do it the correct way. And then I'm going to have you show me back that you understand that. So there's no, no hard feelings. And kids learn that, you know, a lot of my kids come from extremely punitive environments. And so it's that gentle side too, which is why the social emotional learning, the nurturing healing love has to be present as you are delivering the consequences. Mm -hmm. So it's not mushy. It's not, would you please try to do better? Because they're going to be like, yeah, right, whatever. (laughs) But, and we also don't use, um, we don't, I won't use 
social emotional learning or it's like that's not choosing love because yeah, that's yeah. not what this is and I know that we've had some teachers try to incorporate this into discipline and yeah. not and I want to make that very very clear oh that's a really social good emotional learning is not discipline discipline is teaching and learning the structures the procedures the routines how do we treat each other social emotional learning is a means to get us there that's the teaching part mm-hmm. but yeah, I would never say to a child, that's not choosing love. However, on the positive piece, I would say that was a beautiful way to show choosing love when you, you know, mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. So we're mm-hmm. going to fill that up. That's the bucket filling, right? Mm-hmm. Not the bucket mm-hmm. dipping. Right, right. You know, I think the research on the genetic part of our personality mm-hmm is very some I, I've seen from like 20 to 60%. I think it generally falls within about 40% of our personality we're born with and, and or maybe it's maybe it is a little bit higher than that, but but we can we can change for the better and we can change for the worse. Absolutely. So what part of that can we change and what part do we want to? What part do we want to uh, lift up? during the day we want for are you again you're talking about that 10 percent of those aggressive researchers yeah aggressive research all kids are researching us these guys just go at it a little more intently right they're going to be our scientists our (laughs) our world changers yeah they're they're watching and learning from us every moment every single thing that we do and that realization helps us be the best version of ourselves because there isn't a moment that they're not looking. <laughs> no, no. You, you can think for a moment that they're not, but those of right. us who know really know when right. something comes out of our own child's mouth, right? So mm-hmm. we nurture that, that, that's where that courage comes in. You have the courage to mm-hmm. stop and think. You have a courage to make a choice about how you act. Mm-hmm. You know, that moment that we all talk about that you can't choose what happens to you, but you choose how you respond. And so for my strong-willed kids, my aggressive, all of them, but mostly my aggressive researchers, I will talk about the courage it took to do what they were asked to do. That took a lot of courage for you to walk out the door and be respectful to your peers. I know that did, because I also know, as you do, hurt children or hurt children right? Hurt people, hurt people. So I'm going to build them up the most I can so that they see it from them, not that external praise of you did a good job doing this. You did a good job doing that about that. How did that feel? That must've taken a lot of courage. I noticed that you walked away. You could have punched that kid in the face, but you didn't. You walked away and that took so much courage. So who's that on? That's not on me saying, I like how you walked away. It's about them. And one of the first things that we learn at my school is in my groups, anyway, my classes, um, that you have, that it takes more courage to walk away and to take a brave breath than it does to turn around and say something hateful to somebody. And my students as little as first grade learn that hurt people hurt people. 
Yes, yes. And to get curious, even us big people, this is this has no age limits. Get curious. Why did that person say that that mean thing? What happened to them, as you said, rather than what's wrong with them? And and instead of reacting, I was just talking about this last night. I don't think I was doing this to, I can't remember, but I was talking about reacting, yeah. which we do defensively. If you say something that hurt my feelings, I'm going to react mm -hmm. and uh, it's taking that deep breath right my flip my lid is taking that deep breath and and thoughtfully responding asking why would she say something like that and then thoughtfully responding and that's such a big part of choose love yes and you know scarlet i also as little as you know this through the curriculum as well we teach the hand model of the brain so that kids know that the brain stem you know fight flight or freeze and the amygdala controls what the brain stem does the the you know the numbat and then the human brain and my kids understand that when they flip their lid they're not thinking and so when you teach this early on about what's happening in the brain Kids don't feel that shame and that guilt. They understand, even as young as first grade, that something happened that caused me to feel safe. And now my numbat brain is forcing my lizard brain to react, but I can take a brave breath and I can make that change. So mm. for the little ones, in, I use bucket filling. We're all day long, we're filling in or we're dipping in other people's buckets. What was happening in your brain when that happened? So it's not like, what did you do to dip in that child's bucket? It's like, what was happening inside of you when her bucket got dipped? So again, you know, no shame, no blame. They're used to that. Like you were saying that little first grader, I'm so, so, so sorry for everything I did. Wow. Again, why would a first grader do something? One, they're a kid, they're impulsive. And two, they're probably hurting to be that sorry. Yeah. So I keep that in mind all the time and from the get go. So I will go to a kid right away. Where are you? You know, and sometimes they're like, you know, that is so good. And it's such an important lesson, even for us big kids. And, you know, I say when I start my talks that everything I say is not just for kids. It's for us big kids, too. And and that even if you know all of this. It is the practicing and reinforcing that we have to do every day, all day long, because life is how it is, especially in today's times. But I know that that we went through difficult times before and we have to be aware of what we're feeling and to have that knowledge of how the brain works and, and what's going on in your brain and to be able to have the skills and tools to yeah. Take your control back, get your personal power back. Um, for me, having that um, that ability to, I mean, technically it's called return that locus of control back within you so that you're not feeling like things are happening to you. You're not blaming other people for where you are. You're not helpless hopeless, victimized, and then angry, but you're actually using the formula, which is courage plus gratitude plus forgiveness plus compassion and action to return that locus of control, to feel some sense of control so that you make things happen. You're in control. And ultimately you have hope, which is so important right now for kids who are really struggling. 
Well, this formula, I, there is there is no other solution. I truly, truly believe that. And you know I do or I wouldn't be here. But this formula- I wouldn't either, by the way. <laughs> I believe I know. This formula helps kids be resilient. And you see it happen because they know that there is a solution and they want to be a part of it because this is connection. Choose love connects us. So as much as setting limits provides a structure, and that's what we were trying to do all along was the connection. Mm -hmm. This is the piece that all schools need. Every classroom needs this. Every home needs this. Without that connection, we have nothing mm -hmm. because we're hardwired to connect. So we're going to connect somehow. We're going to connect by acting out and harming somebody because we're going to connect. You know, we're the African, try. we're going to try for that connection in that, in that negative way. Well, you remember the African proverb, the child who does not feel the warmth of his village oh. burn it down to feel the warmth. I come back yes. to that all the time because that is so true. They just want to be seen and belong and feel the warmth so we can give it or somehow they're going to find a way to take it. That is so true. And so choose love literally does provide a way to mm -hmm. cultivate that connection and sense of belonging. And it astounds me that when corporations hire corporate trainers, the number one issue that they work on is belonging. And so we struggle with this our entire lives and we can form this foundation so it doesn't have to be a struggle when we're young and that can reduce and prevent so much of the suffering that we're seeing in our society i know you and i both say all the time i wish i had this when i was a kid uh, i wish i even had it when i was a young parent <laughs> oh most definitely most definitely i wish i had the prenatal program and i knew how important it was my thoughtful response to my environment was to my baby's forming brain. I wish that when I was dropping my six week old kids off at daycare and working for 12 hours, I wish that their daycare provider knew how important that brain development was and what they could be doing to help their brains develop um, in, in, the, in the most optimal way. I wish that they had grown up with this. And, and you know that I, I believe with my entire heart that if Adam Lanza who had received choose love and he had been able to give and receive nurturing, healing love, which means learning these essential life skills that Jesse would be alive and Adam would be alive. Absolutely. And yeah, so it's, it's so important. And I'm just so appreciative of you as, as a person and, and Jesse, who brought you to us, he recruited you for sure. Oh, absolutely. He did, Scarlett. We've <laughs> talked about this so many times. I mean, even this morning, I'm like, oh, Jesse, help me do good with your mom today. <laughs> you know, doing my brave pose. I know it's just you, but when it's like being recorded, it's the, <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, I love yeah. it. It wasn't about like the anxiety. I just wanted to make sure that what I give to choose love, what I can offer is going to be at its best. <laughs> I love that, Lisa. And I love you so much. And I'm so thankful to all that you've brought to the choose love movement, your, your incredible knowledge and, 
and and wisdom through learned experience in your decades of of uh, being in the classroom and just your in, your incredible heart. You are you're just the most incredibly beautiful person inside and out. And I love you so much. I, I think about the people that I've met, you know, following the tragedy and because of the tragedy and what we've created. And I just, I mean, I'm just in awe. And I'm I, I I'm so grateful to you. Thank well, you. I am just beyond, and, and I tell you this all the time, but I do, I love you so much. And I knew exactly where I was in my classroom when I heard about the Sandy Hook tragedy. And then a year later, you're in my classroom. Yes. With my students. Yes. Who made cookies and they could not wait. My Scarlet, remember, is that, is that our Scarlet? Yes. <laughs> yes, you guys, that is your Scarlet. They all had their little, we made them choose love ambassador badges and they oh, had- Oh, yes, I'm getting goosebumps. You. And, and this was before, I mean, it was piloting the curriculum. Right. And so I knew from the minute I met that, um, Kelly, it was when I met Kelly who right. introduced me to you. I'm like, this is the answer. This is everything I've looked for to be able to help put a U-turn in that school to prison pipeline that was prevalent in our area. Yes. And I have had the best six years of teaching in my last, and I've been teaching for 33 years. And since Choose Love, it has been the best. And I share this with everybody. I'm like, mm -hmm. you wanna make a change in what you're doing right now, new teachers? Cause I teach grad students who are in the teaching program. I teach them this, mm. like, go do it. I teach them, I show your video, I tell my story, and then I teach them the curriculum. And we go through the, almost like the master class mm -hmm. for a couple of the classes. Mm -hmm. And they walk away every year saying, this is the best class I've ever had. Uh, love that. I have the, the, the luxury of writing my own lessons. Yes. The social emotional learning class that I teach. I'm like, well, I don't have to, I already have it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you helped create it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing today. This has been absolutely amazing. We will definitely do this again, especially when your new book comes out. Waiting, we waiting. We're just yeah. waiting for them to say, okay, do it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. You can find Lisa McKenzie on the website, chooselovemovement.org. You can contact her if you'd like. She uh, is one of our ambassadors in California. And certainly, please feel free to go on chooselovemovement.org and access any and all of our lifespan solutions. They are there at no cost for you. We are here to love and support your efforts. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Scarlett. Love you. Love you, too. Thank you, Lisa. And I, so you. I have to go, but um, I did want to say, you know, at one point we talked about including Choose Love in this. And if you yeah. want to do it, you just do it. And, uh, and you know, I'm getting goosebumps. I, I would I would be honored. Oh, oh yeah. No, you bet. You bet. We'll, and we'll talk about it as that happens, you know, because okay. the first step is getting the approval. And we're like, you know what, what if we just wrote it while we're waiting for the approval, <laughs> you know, get a head start, right? And Absolutely. Then and here's the thing, we can promote this through Choose Love, 
right? So we can put it on our website. We can put it on our e-store. Yeah. You can, we can set up like a speaker bureau thing through yeah. Choose Love and you could be, we could be pushing this out into classrooms. So well, isn't um, the missing link. I mean, the, the two go so well together because they like do. Saying just in our, you know, interview here, teachers want to say that's not choosing love and they're trying to do choose love coupons and okay, you can do the coupons, but right. it could only be, I saw this character trait, not right. you didn't do it. And you know, that's where it falls short. That we That's true. The other thing I would say is include a little bit of Howie stuff. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. This whole thing all goes together, Scarlett. Uh, There's a reason we have landed here. <laughs> yes, there is. And I'm just so, I'm just thrilled at the space that we're in. Me too. Me too. And it's just getting better. It is. It's getting better and better. <laughs> I really do love you. I love you too. Mwah. Take care. Thank you. It's all part of us, we can all choose love, it'll lift you up, if you let it in, let's